Okay. Let's check the podcast comments the last time Andy Davies was on. Hold on a second. John Baker. Great podcast. Cheers, John. Jill Briggs. Can Andy be on more often, please? Alright, Jill. Calm down. John Baker. I agree. Love his insight. As a fan from the 80s, I also appreciate his hysterical references. Okay, John. Calm down there, pal. What? Tom Coles? Just listen to the pod. Superb. Andy Davies needs to get on more. Love his insight. Jesus, Tom. Leave room for me. and Matt Tisdale? Great pod, great job, Andy Davies. Steve Hale? What's that old fella saying? Great pod, guys. Good insight, Andy. Was there the other bloke that's normally on? Dez, is it? Jesus. Jeff Enderby. Andy was brilliant. Total sense and voice of reason. Hmm. Anyway. I'll give Rhino a call. See if he's there. I suppose, uh, I suppose if he doesn't answer, I'll just have to, just have to get Andy on. Oh well, must be in. Uh, I'll give Andy a call. Hey Andy, uh, what's going on, buddy? Uh, f- fancy doing the podcast tonight? Hey there, Steve. You okay? No rhino? Uh, I tried to ring him all night, man. I was constantly, uh, constantly trying to ring. Uh, do you fancy doing the podcast tonight? It's. Uh, I've just been talking to Rhino about the turkey ball next Sunday. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll jump on. Sweet. <laughs> watch film but i'd be honest i mean when i first started watching film i was just watching the game hello everybody welcome to the uk packers podcast as usual i'm your host at nfl on twitter and of course follow the group at uk packers and as usual can i say that now i'm joined by me old buddy me old pal it's at pooly shrew what's going on andy hey there steve how are you not too bad. Ryan is going to be grimacing in his seat, and uh, he's going to be in cold sweats now listening to that intro. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be fine. I'm sure he'll be fine. He'll, he'll love moving house, won't he? It's, uh, it's yeah. a great experience. Yeah, he's moving house. Uh, we can't blame the chap. So to all of the people out there who are freaking or have turned off the podcast and swore they have never listen again and unsubscribed, Ryan will be back. Not that you'll be unhappy with Andy Davies, because as we heard from the intro you know Andy the comments weren't weren't too bad did you get on that did you screenshot it did you frame it did you put it up on your wall Andy the, the first thing I got on Steve was the uh, was the crackle you know so the bad the bad mic it turned out <laughs> upon upon investigation right that the uh, the Packers HQ had actually tapped my line oh and were being, being alerted by sort of any constructive criticism it was right. a bit like the FBI when they get an alert about any, any mention of al-Qaeda <laughs> it was very similar so I think that's what the crackle was Right. It was an activation of uh, a constructive criticism. Right. And uh, how have you cracked that code tonight, Andy? Because the mic is sounding particularly better. Yeah, I just got one of those £2.99 set of earphones from TK Maxx. So they were something all good. See, that's the thing. It's it's the simple things that will fool the Packers. Do you know what I mean? It's the simple things that you can get to them with. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good to have you on again, Andy. Um, again, I think me and Ryan talk about beer. He talks about not talking about my kids. But we both have kids. How are the kids? All good? Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. Amber's in bed. Yeah, she's been, uh, she's been a bit naughty this week. She's had uh, a bit of foot and mouth disease. So bless her, she's been. Oh, uh, yeah, she's been a bit rough. So it's been a rough week. So I'm looking forward to the weekend. Uh, a bit of football, soccer style on Saturday, and a bit of football flag style on Sunday. Looking yeah. forward to it. Dublin Should be good. Dublin yeah, up. yeah. So we're both leaving our kids. Uh, my kid is like a, you know, my children's bomb site because I work from home, so I get to see the mayhem. Because I think. Often, you know, you kind of 
try to do a good job if you're a stay-at-home parent and all the rest and Joan does a stellar job but my god Andy I just hear like you know I hear the ructions going on downstairs and I'm thinking oh dear Jesus <laughs> anybody that says being a stay-at-home mom is all about putting DVDs into DVD players and going down to coffee with the girls just have, do not have a correct it's more like terrorist negotiation Um, I don't know it, I, have you witnessed it like have, well obviously you have you know you've you've been at home for for a week's holiday which isn't a week's holiday it's more like oh you're free yeah. now and then you know you just wish you had more ipads there's not enough ipads to go around that's what it, that's what it is you yeah. know you've got finley finley tramping around the house in his sock boots studs on the wooden floor you've got amber trying to sort of mess with his ipad you know concentration and he's not having it and he's kicking up a fuss so it's all yeah it's uh it's it's chaos isn't it and i'm sure it's the same in pretty much 95% of households, isn't it? I don't think we're any different, mate. I think it's just it's just yeah. how it is. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Like, I always said when I had kids, like, no screen time and all that. No biscuits, no chocolate, only wholesome <laughs> food. You know what I mean? It doesn't work, Andy. Uh, if you did that... Yeah, oh. yeah we, did whole, we did wholesome food for a full year. And then one year and sort of about two days, Amber found biscuits. <laughs> dumped biscuits of the digestive salad. And, uh, the game's over. You know, the broccoli and the, the butternut squash and all that is is no longer wanted now. It's, no. Um, it comes a, a distant second. <laughs> it's very distant. <laughs> Air lad's the same. He's, he's a nice few choice words now, but uh, his go-to is Bickies. I went into him. He, he wakes up, you know, twice, three times a night. So I'm in settling him, coming back into to a room, back in again to settle him. But on occasion, he'll sit up and he'll go, Dada? I'll go, yes. And he'll go, Bickies? I'm like, no, uh, no, it's three o'clock in the morning. I know that's your dad's diet most of the time because he's, you know, busy feeding you and eating biscuits over the sink, fast standing up. Uh, what, what are we doing here? What are we, what are yeah. we doing? Anyway. Yeah, yeah, we get trained. We get trained. We get used to it, you know. And plus point is I'll probably be watching the Thursday night game tonight live as opposed to... Yeah. Recorded highlights at some point. Yeah, I've no doubt there's actually parents out there who had absolutely zero interest in NFL and just became NFL <laughs> fans by being a parent. You know, it kind of works that way. Um, yeah, very but, true. But look, I mean, it's always hashtag dad life when you're on, Andy, which is great uh, to have a bit of banter there because sometimes I'm in a class case of emotion. But big news this week, or maybe overinflated news, I want to see what you think about it. A Rod, uh, we know that he's going to be rehabbing, right? His last injury that he had back in 2015, they didn't even place him on IR. He was thrown for a couple of weeks until he came back into the game. And I think that's what kept everybody in suspense, really. Whereas this time around, we have this sort of strict deadline, right? He got put on IR on the 20th of October. He can practice on the 1st of December. And per Rob Domofsky, um, that's actually going to be the 2nd of December. He's going to be able to practice because they don't practice over Friday, which is something that when I went over to Green Bay, um, I got this tour around the locker rooms and all the rest and we bumped into red you know the kicker and he brought <laughs> us around and he showed us the facilities and told us their kind of schedule so they don't practice of a friday and um, it's all just a wind down kind of sesh and they get into their pools and all the rest so um i don't know what you feel about this andy like you know it's is it because we can see him out there throwing his legs up and jumping in the air and you know he, he gets the snap and he was whipping tails around and all the rest I mean, it's it's up there with probably the site atop Mount Kilimanjaro and seeing your first, second, third, fifth child be born. Um, is this a sight to behold or just, you know, media off week, sight of Aaron Rodgers, oh, look, let's write seven pieces about it? Yeah, the latter. I think it's going to be shrouded in intrigue and mystery up to, you know, right to the point where it's... Um, the time for him to come off IR because simply he's already stated, hasn't he, that he's not going to have any x-rays this time. So that they believe that the last time that he, his collarbone was in the healing process, that yeah. by having x-rays, it in some way sort of stunted that progress. 
So he's determined this time not to have those x-rays. So you're not going to know where we're at in terms of the healing process until such time as he's scheduled to come off IR. So is that December the 2nd, I think, is it? December sort 2nd, of... yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think that at that point then they'll, they'll have an x-ray and they'll probably know there and then where the progress is and, and where the decision's taken to take him off IR or, or sort of if he's done for the season. Um, and I think we're fooling ourselves if we think that the, uh, the Packers' record at that point won't be a big influencing factor at that time as well. So I think if he's still in with a sniff, then he'll be pushing all out, won't he? And I'm sure that the the doctor will be pushing him to play regardless, won't he? Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if he says that he has to play through it, well, then, you know, there's probably absolutely zero wrong and maybe didn't damage it at all. Yeah, uh, well, and the hope is that you've seen how effective the Packers doctors are. They can get him from torn rotator cuff to play him within three days. So, you know, there's, there's hope for A-Roger, isn't there? Yeah, it's weird. He just wrote down on the prescription pad, Tom Brady, and then it all went away. It's kind of like, you, you know, when you get a yellow card in football and the, the player just seems to dive up off the ground uninjured after rolling around with, uh, obviously, yeah, several yeah. several yeah, fractures. He's got Italian roots, doesn't he, Marty B, I think. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> it does. Yeah. So, I mean, look, are we fooling ourselves here to get excited about it? Um, oh, you know, over everything because if you look at the nfc standings right so as a whole it's grim and even in the division it's pretty grim so green bay are sitting third at the moment they have the same record as the lions they're at five and four vikings in first place at seven and two uh they've decided not to go with teddy bridgewater and to keep case keenum in there which is curious as well maybe not so curious because he's he's turned out to have a pretty good season and you, you sort of go with the hot hand it reminds me andy of carson palmer now that i think of it with the cardinals I mean, look at his form since that sort of breakout year. What was that, two years ago? Um, and I say breakout, he was kind of always that journeyman who'd been bantied around and the guy's at least 57 years of age now. But his breakout year had to come right at seemingly the end of his career when he was going to be a stand-in. So the Packers sit at 10th in the NFC at 5-4. and four. People are picking out the Ravens game as a win, uh, the Browns game as a win. Uh, the Bucks game was a win, so that puts us theoretically at eight and four. We have to eke out two more wins somewhere. So, like, in for me, I don't. I think we'll put in a valiant effort, but I, I don't know if it's going to be enough because I think to get to the playoffs, you know, we have to reach that ten marker, or we have to win the division. And the only way to do it, I think, is win the division. Now, the wheels can fall off the Vikings. We know that, but if you look at their stats and their players' position. It doesn't look like it's just this random fluke. You know, they've put together a really good run this season and it looks to continue. So, you know, do we have a chance to win the division? Uh, do we have a chance to go to 10 if not? And do we see Aaron Rodgers back on the field when he can play after that sort of eight week? Because he, he could come back in week 15. Do we even see him take the field regardless of whether he's healthy or not? I think the division's probably a step too far given the Vikings form at the moment. Um, I think... Case Keenum serviceable. I think that's the, the, the sort of point we were making last week, isn't it? Within the system that they play, he's a serviceable plug-in sort of stopgap, if you like. Mm. And you haven't seen a huge drop-off from week to week compared to, you know, week one when they looked, you know, really electric, didn't they? Um, it's ten wins, isn't it? Let's let's enjoy the ride, really. If we can get to ten wins, and I think we'll sneak in the playoffs, but um, it's a long way away, isn't it, from from the five wins that we're currently sat at now? Um, I, I think Aaron Rodgers will be a a decision based on the healing process when it come uh, come the first week in December, and if he's if there's a chance and with a chance in terms of where we're at. So if we're at sort of seven or eight wins and we don't need a couple more, then I think he'll come back. Uh, why not? But I don't think that they'll anyway jeopardise his long term future by bringing him back too soon. It's just not the Packers style, is it? You know, I think Aaron had to lobby hard the last time he hurt his shoulder to get back in, didn't he? And I think he was 
held back on. I think it was two weeks on the trot, wasn't it, where I think he believed he was fit enough to play and the Packers called it a no-go and he was not allowed to hit the field. And it'll be the same this year. We, we don't put people in jeopardy, do we? we don't, we're not going to compromise the long-term future of the Packers for short-term gain. Um, and I think if we're honest, at the moment, uh, we're not quite the, the finished article in terms of playoff material, are we? So I think we're a little bit short of that. But that's not to say who we are now. We'll be who we are in December, isn't it? That's the NFL for you. That's the beauty of it. I don't think the Vikings are, are going to be playing a hometown Super Bowl. I really don't. I think the stronger teams in the NFC. I think the Saints are looking very good at the moment. I think the Eagles are looking very good, obviously. Um, those two teams for me are probably the, the strength of the NFC right now. But I don't think they're um, by any stretch of the imagination unbeatable. So if we can, you know, the, the, the roster and the sort of team evolves over the year, doesn't it? If you look at the Packers over the last couple of years, it's always been the same, isn't it? So, you know, when Aaron Rodgers told us to relax and told us we'd run the table, and then I don't think many people sort of believe that, did they? Yet we managed to do so. So, you know, you're always sort of fingers and toes crossed that that happens this year you know and that's just enjoy the ride really isn't it I mean we talked about the, the defence I don't think our defence has been fixed you, know, you looked at the, the Chicago game and Trubisky we talked about it pre-pod didn't we sort of his four games prior to the Packers game he didn't sort of beat 170 yards I think his maximum was 164 yards yet against the Packers he threw for nearly 300 so let's not kid ourselves the defence is not fixed yet I think there was some standout performances by the likes of Clark Daniels, Perry, obviously, Martinez again. But on the back end, we're still we're still a long way away from being watertight. Um, we play a Ravens team this week, don't we, that are, what, 32nd in the league in passing? So we might get a, a pass to go there. So, you know, maybe it's a, a good opportunity for them to sort of find their identity again this week. Um, and I hope Kevin King can um, shake the injury bug because I think that shoulder sounds like it could be a couple of weeks. Yeah which is persistent and something that he had in college. So again, that's that's pretty concerning. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, and just about the A-Rod thing and, and you know where we're going to stand, I'm enjoying the ride at the moment, I have to say, because the game has been really unpredictable. But I find this is like, and I hate when people say, it, oh, it's, a, it's an emotional roller coaster, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Do you know what I mean? Let's leave the cliched <laughs> phrases out of it. But do you know what? It is a bit of a roller coaster in the sense that we're on this wild ride and we know we get to get off at the end. You know, we know that Aaron Rodgers is going to come back. No, I don't believe at the end of this season because I don't know. I really don't think we'll win the division, not unless something really mad happens. Um, I don't think it's going to come down to a dagger play, uh, you know, week 17, game 16. Um, I don't think we can reach 10, to be honest. But as you said, look, you never know. But I, this, this is my feeling on it. And as it well, doesn't, and bo like, doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me when the division. It doesn't matter, does it? All you need to do is get to the dance, isn't it? And once you're in the dance, anything can happen. So once you make the playoffs, 2010 was exactly the same. We got in, you know, through the back door last minute when we beat the Bears and we beat the Giants. And it was a we had to win out 10 and 6. And we went on, on the road to, to Philadelphia to Atlanta, to Chicago, uh, and, you know, we ended up winning it all. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It, it, you know, winning the division for me is not, not important. If, if the, the important thing is, is making the playoffs, isn't it? And if you can get to it, you, you, anything can happen from that point. It's the hot teams that, that run the table, isn't it? It's not the teams that have necessarily sort of dominated the regular season, as we know all too well. So, you know, you know, I say it again, who we are now is not necessarily who we'll be at the back end of December, and you just need to trust in the the coaching staff and the 
Mr. Thompson, that we can do something that's a little bit different and and hopefully our team evolves because at the minute we're not playoff ready. I just find it very interesting, right? If What if we're like one win away from potentially having, you know, where all the computations start to come out around week 15 of, yeah. well, they win here, they lose here, they go there, they turn upside down, turn their jerseys inside out, wear pink. Um, and don't wear cleats that means that they can get in if their grandmother's 74 years of age you know, and then you're like oh who works all of this stuff out but I don't know Andy like imagine it gets to week 15 we need you know other teams to lose in convoluted ways and draw and all the rest you know I wonder do they that. chance playing A-Rod or do they just say let's chance not playing them week 15 and maybe if we end up losing the last couple of games, we have a high draft pick and they can sort of masquerade it that they're trying to no. preserve A-Rod. Do you think they play him if there's any chance? Uh, uh, so two things. So firstly, you bring him back anyway. So you put him on the 53. We haven't even replaced Bennett on the 53 at the moment. So we're still playing with 52 anyway, effectively. So I would suggest you bring him back because bringing in a free agent cornerback from cautious state or whatever it is that you know Ted brings these cornerbacks from it's not going to change the dynamics of the squad anyway so let's bring him back and then if it gets to weeks 16 15 and we've got a chance and is it you know there's a medical opinion that says that he's not going to long-term injure himself by playing then you play him simple as that you give yourselves that option you hate to get there and think what if wouldn't you so like you've just said that scenario where if we win and they you know two teams lose and a-Rod stood on the sideline and actually he's, you know, he's throwing fastballs to Jordy and spinning the ball in, in pre-game, but can't suit up because we've not activated him in, back into the start of December. You're going to be kicking yourself, aren't you? You know, you're going to be kicking yourself. So you do it, don't you? But you bring him on the squad, you, you add him to the 53, and then let's just see how it pans out medically. I, I don't think. And as for the tanking thing in terms of high draft picks and all this nonsense, just look at the drafts from the last four or five years. And you tell me any scientific formula that says picking between one and ten is any different between 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 picks ten and twenty, or maybe twenty and twenty-five. You Deshaun Watsons and all that sort of stuff. There is nothing. There's no guarantees. Plus, when you're picking high, you're paying a higher dollar for it. I just I, I have no fascination with picking early in the draft whatsoever. I'd rather us finish eight and eight and win three more games as opposed to losing the rest of the table and picking number six in the draft. I absolutely would. Even, you know, I was talking to someone today actually about a game back in 86 when we played the Giants. I think the Packers finished 4-12 and 12 and they were 14-2. and two. And we got beat 55-24, but at halftime it was 24-17. I was thinking, come on, we, we can, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather watch the Packers win yeah. and move down two spots in the draft as opposed to tank it and, and, and pick relatively higher. It just doesn't... It just doesn't hold any flavour for me. I, you know, at all point, you know, the pack of follower, you want wins. None of this tanking talk and high draft picks. You don't know, know what's going to happen next year. You know, everyone talks about next year. We're going to have Aaron and Aaron together. We're going to have this and that. And the other. Most of the squad turnover is around the 25% mark, isn't it? So from year to year, each squad is going to have a huge turnover in, in terms of the free agents we let go, in terms of the free agents that we add. So there's no guarantees from any given year that you're going to have that sustainability and that sort of turnover. So I just, you have to play for now. You have to play for now and, and understand that it could be your last down. You only need to watch the NFL on every given Sunday and this guy's getting carted off with, you know, dislocated knees and the guy with the, um, the, the spinal injury last week for New Orleans. It's, you know, always treat it as you, you know, it's this year, it's this year, it's today that the matter is not tomorrow or not next year. Well, speaking of, I mean, Andy, the the perfect you know case in point is 
is Ty Montgomery was running back number one, um, Jamal Williams was number two, and then Aaron Jones finds himself in the in the number one spot, really. And and this week, I mean, you know, Ty has a rib injury. McCarthy can't come out and say whether he's going to play or not. He hopes he will. Aaron Jones is out three to six weeks with that MCL sprain. Um, and when that happened in the game, uh, I got a message from you straight away going, watch out for Devontae May. So Devontae May, seven-round pick, um, one of, you know, multiple running backs picked in the draft and someone that you pointed out early on that had pedigree. So you expect Devontae Mays to play against the Ravens, do you? And I mean, you know, what what can we expect out of this guy? Surely not a big workload. He hasn't taken um, an offensive snap this season yet for the Packers, just a bit in preseason. Yeah, I'd like to see him on the pitch. I'd like to see him taking snaps for the offense. I think, I think what I wrote down sort of pre-draft was that in Jones, you had an elusive back, very quick, you know, good vision, sees the cut, sees the lane. In Williams, you've got a pounder. He's not going to make you miss with fancy moves, but he's going to run over you. I mean, I don't know about you, but I enjoyed watching him against Chicago. Oh, yeah. That was old school, wasn't it? That was, yeah, yeah. you know. the pound stuff. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was exciting to watch. I, I really enjoyed that. So I think Williams is, you know, short yardage back. He's going to pound the hard yards. And I think on the on the slow tracks in particular, the mud, when the mud's flying, the Lexus, you know, soldier field, I think that suits him. And I think he's... Um, He's definitely progressed since the seasons began. You know, he's a, there's a little bit more vision there. You know, touch wood, the, the ball security has been really good as well. So I really enjoyed that. I think Montgomery is effective in the right situation. Um, you know, I have to say I like Montgomery. Otherwise, Tom's going to give me a pick here at the weekend, isn't he? So, I, <laughs> but but I genuinely do think he's um, you know he's valuable to the Packers used in the right way. And again, I think on Sunday we saw a little bit of that where he's used in the right way. He's hugely effective, isn't he? And in Mays, I think we get a bruiser. I think he's a bit of a cross between sort of Jones and Williams in that he's he's five ten. He's quite stocky, but he's got he's a bit of a one cut back. So you think about uh, probably comparing to more like Dorsey Levins, if you're going back sort of you know a few years. Um, and I think he could be effective. He can catch the ball at the backfield. So again, you might see a little bit of Williams on first and second down. You may see Mays come in for third down if he's been effective in pass pro in in sort of practice. I guess. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to seeing all three, you know, um, on the pitch at some point. Um, yeah, whether it's this, this season or next. This is one of the games, Andy, isn't it? I mean, the Ravens that the people have earmarked for a win, but I mean, first off, the bookies in Vegas, if you can believe that type of lark, have us as the underdog. So there's the you know the on the spread we're the underdog, and you know I was trying to read up analysis to see what the rationale behind that was. And most websites seem to point towards one actually pointed and said that. Uh, John Harbaugh was a better coach than Mike McCarthy. Um, I, I don't, don't think we need to go into that in uh, grave detail. Um, and, you know, they're looking at the record that the Ravens have after the bye, sort of went 12-3 and three, um, after a bye. Um, we, and then we saw what happened to the Packers after their bye. Uh, but again, the circumstances that we're dealing with versus what they have um, is probably quite different. They say that it all comes down to, you know, Joe Flacco, and this is the way all the headlines try to make it out, which is something that I don't particularly agree with, but Joe Flacco versus Brett Hundley. Um, is that the key factor for you in this game? Is just the experience of quarterback? Because, I mean, Flacco's went to the pinnacle. Um, he has, <laughs> isn't having a great season here. But, I mean, is he the difference maker in this game? Well, if he plays like he has played all season, he'll be a difference maker because he's been awful. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I hope he does. You know, they, they are bottom of the league in pretty much... All the key passing stats, aren't they? Um, yeah, and he's 32nd out of quarterbacks in the league as well. So, Whereas um, Brett Hundley's 23. Uh, the worry is, isn't it, again, you go back that wide receivers that typically look pedestrian all season 
when they come up against our defensive backfield, suddenly look like they've been fitted with turbo jets, don't they? So your Mike Wallace's and your Jeremy Macklin's who've been super quiet all season will suddenly post huge fantasy numbers. That's that's the worry, isn't it? If you move Flacco off the spot and you apply pressure, he's he's pretty ineffective, isn't he? So that, that's for me, is going to be the where the game's won and lost is, is pass rush. So if we can get a, a Nick Perry performance like we got on Sunday, I think then we've got a, a real chance to forcing some turnovers and potentially pressuring Flacco. I think if we can run the ball as effectively as we ran it against Chicago, that's going to be key for Huntley. So he's got third down manageable down in distance. Because um, I think he, I think he gained a lot of confidence from Sunday, and I think the passing game will be more effective than it has been the the first three weeks with Brett at the helm. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting game for me because you kind of, I mean, when you do an analysis, you like to pick certain groups and say like you know how are the Ravens wide receivers going to match up against the the cornerbacks and you know how is it going to be in the trenches. And again, everyone knows, and this is why we became an affiliate of Pro Football Focus. I like to go to Pro Football Focus to pluck out some some stats they have some good preview articles as well that i think are free to view uh also um on the website if you go to the homepage ukpackers.co.uk you'll see a little pro football focus um you know icon click on that and you'll get ten dollars off the forty dollar subscription which is you know the the sort of the one that you get your signature stats so when anybody says to me because i have had people come to me before and say hey steve you know where does this guy fit and i go well he's 103 they go oh, he's pretty crap then and i go yeah so you know <laughs> if you want to get those yourself you get 25 percent off just by clicking that link um so that that's a pretty good bargain but there's a few things that strike me from looking at these and is that when you scroll down through the baltimore roster there's nothing that really stands out to me as being standout so joe flacco is ranked uh 32nd um, in the league, Brett Hundley is 23, which is interesting, but, you know, very small sample size. Most of that stuff is in the slot. Whereas Joe Flacco, you know, typically is one of the best playoff quarterbacks if he can get them there, which doesn't look likely this year. Um, another thing that sort of stands out, I mean, scrolling down, you know, one of their top players is their center, Ryan Jensen, um, and then also their fullback, uh, Ricard. But outside of that, they don't really have sort of, you know, break your face kind of... Um, players now jeremy macklin worryingly enough has you know the fourth highest yards per route run in these last two games before that he wasn't you know on the radar at all but he's starting to seemingly pick up pace so against demarius randall who's the seventh lowest graded cornerback and by the way all of this comes from pro football focus and the the nice little neat um article here just this next bit for anybody who's going to jump on me and say i don't you do my own stuff i'm telling you where i'm getting it from um <laughs> he's the seventh lowest graded uh cornerback and just to run down through this preview article, what sort of I gleaned from, and this is pretty interesting to me. So Jensen, as I said, who's one of their top graded players um, at number six in his position, has been the fourth best run blocker this season. Now, he's going to come up against Mike Daniels, who's been pretty stout against the run. Uh, Kenny Clark has been fantastic as well. So, I mean, you know, that battle in the trenches um, is going to be is going to be pretty interesting to see because, I mean, running back for uh, the Ravens, you know, apart from their their fullback who's absolutely tearing it up, I mean, there's there's nothing really to write home about. You know, they've Alex Collins in there who's thirty third, and they have uh, Javarius Allen, who's fifty seventh, and he's in a big red marker here on the Pro Football Focus website. So, you know, when you look at it, then it's a pretty impotent uh, offense that they have. Joe Flacco not playing well, Jeremy Macklin coming into his own, but still could drop off the cliff because he's been pretty inconsistent. You know, they have one of the best run blockers in the game, but they have pretty crap running backs. So, you know, offensively, as you know, and it's kind of you raised it, right? That against the the Bears, um, our defense just 
you know, crumbled underneath Mitch Trubisky. For a quarterback like Joe Flacco, who's experienced and does have some weapons if they decide to play, um, they could have a day on us. But it sort of points Andy towards if our defense could put up just some remnants of anything. Because if you look, they have it as well that their um, tackle, Austin Howard, um, has really struggled in pass protection. We see Clay not doing well this season. We see Nick Perry um, and Blake Martinez. I mean, they can do some damage. So maybe they can get that pressure, as you say, against Joe Flacco. But do you think it's there for the Ravens? Do you, you know, do you think the defense is effectively there in a play for them and that they can get embarrassed this week again? Well, I think pro football tells you and the eyes tell you that the Ravens' offense is is putrid. It's um, it's really poor, isn't it? So I think there's no excuses. We have home field advantage. Yes, it's an uncommon opponent, but but actually, um, they're quite a predictable offense. So they might have some new wrinkles and this and that and the other. And McCarthy was getting all his excuses in earlier this week, but but really we should be we should be shutting them down. Um, I think if we score more than twenty points, then we should be winning this game really. Yeah. And that's that's where I'm at with it. I think that um, I don't think they'll be able to run the ball on us. So our strength has been our run defense. Um, the worry is, like it's been all season, is it? You look at the 15-yard crossing routes that Inman and the Bears' motley crew of wide receivers were running. They were they were wide open again. We just seem to drift in and out of man coverage and zone coverage, some sort of hybrid that just allows separation. I'm not quite sure what it what the scheme is that they're running. We allow them to run 10 yards down the field. And the minute they make a cut on either a post route or a or sort of corner route, we we lose contact, and it's you know any any QB with any sort of radar is is sort of filling the boots really. So that's the way for me is that because Wallace still has speed, and Macklin's a, a savvy route runner in the slot or from wide. So you know they are two dangerous weapons, but they've had troubles with pass protection. Um, Flacco's not mobile, never has been. And, and they've been pretty ineffective through the air. Um, the ground game doesn't scare me. Alex Collins has got a little bit about him. Um, he's, he's pretty elusive. Uh, and Allen's a tough runner inside, but but it's nothing to scare you. Um, so I would be disappointed if we couldn't hold them to less than 20 points. Um, so it, it's really one we need in the bag, isn't it? I think if, um, if we didn't win this game, then we could pretty much shut up shop for the season. Yeah, and I mean, we've done pretty well against the AFC in recent times, anyway, particularly against the Ravens, we're 3-0 at home and 4-1 and overall. And it's mad, like, we first played the Ravens, according to uh, Packers.com, in 1998, which just seems, like, ridiculously recent when you think of it, you kind of forget that. Um, but a few interesting facts about this, really, and if you want to look at the offense, is, is that Randall Cobb is going to be playing in the slot and cornerback Ladarius Webb... Um, you know, is the fifth best slot receiver or slot corner, sorry, um, on pro football focus, you know, and surprising stat as well, like Randall Cobb has played 79% of all of his um, snaps in the slot. So, you know, that's primarily where I think the Packers are going to operate in the middle of the field. Like I know we all got excited and, uh, you know, dived out of our seats and said it was the best thing that we've ever seen since, you know, Bart Starr togged out. Uh, when he threw that pass to Devontae Adams. But, you know, it was one in how many passes that he attempted. And I even saw an article from Rob Domofsky, who I, I think is great. We snap up all of his stuff here in HQ. But he was even saying that, like, the the, the Hundley-Adams connection is comparable. Well, not really, he didn't say this, but, you know, that was his go-to guy where, you know, Jordy was Aaron's go-to guy. I'm like, okay, calm down. I mean, his go-to guy is whoever is five yards ahead of him most of the time. And, you know, he made that sort of, look, his touchdown pass that he has thrown a both into Devontae Adams. 
Um, but maybe that's just because he gets better separation or the play broke down at that time. Maybe it's just purely coincidental. Who the hell knows? But, you know, the Packers definitely have more going on in offense. I mean, you know, running back-wise, we're going to see Jamal Williams in there, Devontae Mays. I'm looking forward to seeing um, if your sort of premonitions come through. Uh, linebacker CJ Mosey is 58th at run stopping, so we certainly could get some purchase on the run, especially if we're going to run these dudes over. Um, and also, look, we have the wide receivers to do with Jordy Nelson stead healthy. Randall Cobb is going to be operating in the slot, uh, probably going to pull away Ladarius Webb. So maybe there's some opportunity there to uh, hit up the running backs in the middle of the field. And if you're if you're going to come out with sort of you know how much points that we're going to put up, if if you think we're not going to hold the Ravens to you know, if we're going to get them and keep them to below 20, do you think our offense is capable of putting up over that? And um, Are we going to eke out the win in this one? Yeah, I think we'll score more than 20. Yeah, I think we will eke out a win. Um, I, I like their defense. I like Suggs. I like Mosley. I think he's um, he's hard-nosed. I like Marlon Humphrey, the cornerback they drafted from Alabama. So they've got some, you know, Ladarius Webb you've talked about. So they're, they're, they're you know, a challenging defense. And they always have been, haven't they, going back a number of years. They've always been identified as a more of a defensive team. Um, so I think it'll be a tough, hard-nosed game. But I think, um, you know, I think I would like to see a bit of bit of rain or a bit of snow at Lambeau over the weekend and, you know, make it a bit more of a slower track. I think they, that suits us as an yeah. offense at the minute, the way we sort of suited up, which means that Ripkowski probably get a few more snaps. Um, like to see the tight ends get involved. I like to see sort of Kendricks and Rogers, you know, make some easy completions uh, early doors to get that confidence building that, you know, that Brett gained on the, the last few plays of the Chicago game. Yeah. So I would say a, a low-scoring win would be um, very much appreciated, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cheers, lads. We know that they're yeah. tapping your uh, your phone, so let's hope that that happens. But uh, another interesting thing for people to read if you're interested in sort of stats and facts, now this thing goes on for pages and pages, but they do a condensed version. It's the dope sheet on Packers.com. And a few of the shocking things that have stood out for me was is that Brett Hundley had a passer rating of 110.8, which is the highest passer rating by uh, Packers quarterback apart from Aaron Rodgers since Matt Flynn in 2013, where he had 113.1 in that win against Dallas, which I don't think anybody's going to forget. And the second one, Andy, that I want to say is, is Jordy Nelson only needs one more reception to pass James Lofton for the third most in Packers history. And then he'll only be behind Sterling Sharp and Donald Driver. Sterling Sharp with 595 and Donald Driver with 743. So that would put Jordy Nelson, um, he's at 530 at the moment, that would push him up to 531. Um, so he's still got a long way to go to get to Donald Driver. Do you see that type of longevity in the Packers wide receiver core anymore? Are those days gone? Are they? Do they get replaced too easy, especially with the talent that we see come through now, like, you know, Geronimo Allison, Devontae Adams then, who I see being described by Brett Hundley as he's going to be one of the elite ones. I'd argue that he already is. Um, well, there's, there's two things, isn't there? So number 18, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, and you throw Clay Matthews into the mix. It's Dodgers, isn't it? The salaries those guys are going to command in 2018 for the output that you get on the field is is too much. So Teddy's got some tough decisions to make, to be fair. I think he needs to sit those guys down, offer them a whiskey and say, look, guys, you need to half your pay or it's, or it's, you know, or it's cheerio. Um that's the reality. You, you've got to pay people that's reflective in their output, isn't it? And as much as we, we love Geordie, you know, Randall Cobb's been brilliant. Clay Matthews being brilliant. Whether it's scheme, whether it's physicality, whether it's performance, the, the, the output's not there, is it, to reflect the dollars that they get. So, 
if you get into a position where you're overpaying for people and there's plenty of teams around the NFL that do that, that's when you, the sort of table turns and you become a losing franchise. So uh, the off-season for me is going to be a big one, isn't it? Whether we can you know, talk to those guys and renegotiate. But I, I don't imagine any of the three being back in a Green Bay uniform next year at those salaries. It's just not feasible. Um, you, you'd probably be able to give me the rundown on the detailed numbers, but they're, they're pretty huge, aren't they, for the positions? Yeah, they're massive, particularly for Clay Matthews. And I like again, I've yeah. been sort of a vocal. Not that like and again, do you know what really pisses me off when people go, "You're a hater." It's just like, oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's I'm not, not, it's not really, yeah. analysis in here. It's not like sort of it's, I don't like him because of his hair. Now there is serious hair envy there. I will say because I'm trying to grow it out. But anyway, I'll leave that aside. Clay Matthews arguably having his best year since 2010 but I mean this trend has been going down for him for a number of years now Andy I mean because we had Neil Hornsby who you know founded Pro Football Focus on and even he was saying like look Steve looking at the stats I mean he has not been the player that he was back then and he kind of gets off on now Ryan's a good advocate for saying that just his presence on the defense is enough and that they have intangibles but I think the numbers have to speak for themselves he's having a good year I do not expect to see him back because I think he's commanding 10 or 11 million a year now, which is just absolutely unsustainable no. with that type of production. The only person I'd pay for presents is Santa Claus. I'm not paying, <laughs> you know, Clay Matthews <laughs> X amount of million of dollars. Century. That's a yeah. quarter of the century. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? And the other thing is as well with the wide receiver course, unfortunately, you know, Trevor Davies has got speed, but, but doesn't use it in the offense. Geronimo Allison has got no speed. Uh, and and you can't buy speed, so I don't think there's a lot of depth behind our top three, unfortunately. And you know, Adams has got a contract year coming up as well, so we could see a huge turnover if you know if A Rod than to say with it. I can't imagine any way that Devonte gets out of town, you know. And if he does, all these picks that we're going to pick up for next year's draft are going to be wasted on wide receivers yet again, unfortunately. Yeah, because so. that, that was finalised. Do you want to tell us then a bit about, because again, we do call you the draft guru. You come on and you call it and you call it right. So what's the story with these compensatory picks now that have just been announced? Yeah, so up to sort of week 10, your cut-off point um, in terms of compensatory picks, which was probably part of the reason why, you know, Marty B left town so quickly, because that doesn't count now towards our sort of allocation next year. So by my reckoning, we'll get a third rounder and three number five picks next year, which will give us a pretty healthy, you know, collection of picks for the draft with uh, Mr. Wolf to work with. I mean, Ted Thompson to work with. So, um, you know, we've got plenty of holes to fill. I mean, in terms of the jigsaw, always, you know, we always look at a jigsaw, don't we? So we're probably getting ahead of ourselves now, but we have pieces in place, don't we? So you want the four corners first. And I think you've got the QB, you know, offensive tackles, left tackle certainly, Belaga injury, we, we don't know anything about that yet, do we? So I think Kevin King's flashed huge promise, hasn't he? So I think in terms of those three corners, we're all set. Pass rush pressure from defensive end, from outside linebacker, however you want to call it, is is the next piece of the puzzle. Now I think we need to add their big style. Um, and then, you know... The other bits is um, is down to your general manager, isn't it? And I think every time you get a win inside and every time you get to a place where you you have all the pieces in place, so whether it was 96 or 2010, the one key consistent is always that you add wisely in free agency. So whether it's your Andre Risen, Desmond Howard, Bruce Wilkerson, who sort of came through in 96, or whether it's Howard Green, Charles Woodson in 2010, th- those guys made key contributions you know, when you look at this year's 
crop of free agents that Ted's brought in, Martellus Bennett, Kendricks, Amad Brooks. You, you don't, you know, bringing them all together, you've got no plays, you know, or very little plays, uh, little contributions. So it's, it's absolutely vital that when we, when you bring people in, they need to make a difference. You know, I think it's, you know, Ryan Pickett. You think about the plays that they made in the Super Bowl. You think about what Howard Green did. You think about what Ryan Pickett did on the fumble. You think about Desmond Howard in the kickoff return and Bruce Wilkerson who played left tackle for 10 games. There's always that key piece that's added into the mix and you can't do it all through draft and develop. There's always key pieces that you need to complete the puzzle. And I think that's the balancing act that we've we've not quite got right over the last couple of years. No, and it looked good this year. I mean, Marty B coming in, we knew he'd be a disruptive force, but, you know, we said it could go either way and it did. The wrong way, <laughs> yeah, it went back you? to New yeah. England. Uh, it's been entertaining though, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I suppose he's drew a few pictures, sold a few chocolate bars and pissed off back down the road. Uh, Ricky Absolutely, Jean yeah. Francois didn't work out. Um, you know, Kendricks, he's all right, but I suppose he didn't really get a look in. The whole tight end thing wasn't really popping off. Um, and the one, the only one that actually has worked out would be Jerry Evans. So he's come in and he's actually our best guard. Now he's twenty sixth in the league. Lane Taylor, who had a great year last year, has fallen down to thirty sixth. So, you know, arguably Jerry Evans. No, that's a fair point. He's played well. Yeah, I think he's played well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that it's just the longevity. He's a stopgap, isn't he? So, and I'm okay with that. That's cool. I think there's um, there's room for that, but we need more of that. Yeah. Not and, less. I've been super durable here as well. He's played 589 snaps. You know, Lane Taylor, young fella, 481, which is over 100 less. Um, and then, of course, with injury along the offensive line, you can see that the other numbers drop off a cliff. So David Bakhtiar, who's actually the number one tackle in the league, has only played 296 snaps. Now, maybe that means he's fresh going down the stretch. Um, or whether that he played well. He played really well, didn't he, Sunday against the Bears? He was outstanding, I thought. I liked his locker room speech afterwards as well, so that was really, you know, that 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 was really impressive, I thought. So, yeah, very impressed with him Sunday. He looked really, really sharp. He's emerging as a leader, isn't he, Andy? Uh, back to Ari. Yeah. I mean, like, he's yeah. very vocal with Aaron Rodgers. You'll find that he chaperones Aaron Rodgers to most of these sort of events that he goes to, like Conan O'Brien and all the rest. <laughs> yeah. Um do you think that's important going forward? I mean, is that what we need in this locker room as vocal leaders like him? And that's actually what we're missing as well with all of this. Yeah, and that's, a, that's the galvanizing effect that I think we talked about sort of post-part last week is that, you know, Marty B going has, has brought a few people out, hasn't it? And they've been a bit more vocal. You very rarely hear from Jordy Nelson. You, you don't really hear a lot from Clay Matthews other than sponsorship deals. And I think that, you know, people came out and, and defended the doctor, didn't they, and talked about, you know, what was real and what wasn't real. And I think that was good to see. And I think you saw a bit of that emotion in Bakhtiari's speech, didn't you, after the game at, you know, with the Green Bay Packers. And that's what I was saying last week. I want to see that. You know, I want to see a bit more of that chest bumping and a bit more pride and a bit more. And I think some of the senior players last week did step up. Not all, but I think enough did to get the, get the W. I thought Bakhtiari was outstanding. I thought Martinez was outstanding. I thought Daniels played at a higher level. Um, I thought Kenny Clark had an outstanding game. Um, Jari Evans, you talked about. So I think there's, there was enough people there, wasn't there, that really stepped up to, to make a difference. Yeah, we're really having difference makers. And that's why I think if they were to carry on the form, which they're not guaranteed to do, you know, into the latter part of the season and also into next year. I mean, Kenny Clark is actually ranked above Mike Daniels, which is saying something, you know. Oh, I mean, he's been a beast. Well, he, and he's played way more snaps. He's played 432 snaps against Mike Daniels, 297. So they're ranked 11th and 15th of interior defenders. So, I mean, what a fantastic tandem to have. And certainly... Oh. 
you know, his technique for a young kid is is mm. phenomenal. Isn't he? he absolutely he devours offensive linemen, doesn't he? Two at a time, he's phenomenal. Those two together must be a must be a, a difficult challenge for any interior lineman to play against. You know, real real handful the pair of them. And does this make you look back to the older Packer teams, Andy? Do you think that they're that type of caliber here? Because when we had you know Gilbert Brown on he was talking about that when they used to look at the defensive line they used to have that oh Jesus moment you know and they could see the fear in their eyes I mean do we do we have the makings of that with Kenny Clark with Mike Daniels even Blake Martinez as well ripping it up Morgan Burnett's fallen into sort of a linebacker role he's ranked 15th in his position Blake Martinez 7th so we're like that's the painful part as bad as we are you know in the secondary up front Will that start paying dividends even and that our secondary might get a bit better, you know, benefiting from the pressure and benefiting from quarterback mistakes here? I mean, it's looking close, but just something's amiss. Because you've not got all four pieces of the jigsaw, that's the problem, isn't it? So you've got two, you know, high-caliber run stuffers. They are absolutely, you know, lethal. They they cannot be moved, can they? They, they plant and they can take on double teams, and but they're not the most effective pass rushes in the NFL, are they from the interior defensive line? So they've got an effective bull rush, and they use the rip occasionally. But in terms of sack numbers, you know you're not going to be looking at double digits anytime soon. And then what you've got your what you've got around them on the ends or from the outside linebacker position, yeah, okay, Perry had a good a good game Sunday and posted some numbers. But your Dean Lowry's or your Ricky Jean Francois that have played in there, they're not pass rushes, are they? You know, yeah. they're not. That's not their game and. If you're an offensive coordinator planning to play the Packers, you it's quite easy to double team and nullify our uh, our push. And knowing for a while that pretty much the likes of Lowry can be taken on single man by a by a tackle, and your QB is going to have plenty of time. And so you you need everything to integrate and work together to make other players more effective. And that's where I think you, we just miss a stud. We we need a whether it's a, a Santana Dotson or a Reggie White or a Sean Jones or a Somebody that's going to be, you know, effective at rushing the passer from a from a sort of three point stance as opposed to standing up and blitzing and, and all the exotic blitzes that Dom Capers throws at offense that they've seen before. You know, that's the difference, isn't it? You've got to get pressure by physical ability, not just scheme. And yeah. I think we're just that one player short, and they're hard to find, aren't they? You know, they're hard to find in the NFL. You know, yeah, you, you're sort of. You know, JJ Watts of this world, and the few and far between, aren't there? So, yeah, I mean, there's only a handful of them in the league, to be fair. Um, that really yeah, of course, there is. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Anyway, look, we'll be watching it uh live. Well, live, but we're going to be watching it in Dublin. <laughs> probably uh, not really alive, to be fair, because we got we don't know how many points are going to be on board at that stage. So. Uh, you're coming over for it, Andy. So we'll have number twelve there behind center, or although you said you want to, you know. Go a bit mental yeah. there, tied end or whatever. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm flying from Newcastle, so the last time I flew from Newcastle, it didn't go quite to plan. So I'm hoping it's a little bit smoother this time. What, um, what happened the last time? <laughs> I was um, I was going out to Malaga on a um, stag weekend with my friends, and I uh, I think um, I missed my alarm call, so I slept in, um, and I got a phone call. It was a, it was an early flight, and yeah. um, I sort of got up. I was like, oh. Shit, I've missed my I've missed my connection and my, my mates had gone without me. This, and I rang them. I said, oh, "Where you're at?" He said, "We're in the bar." He said, "We tried to knock on your door, but there was no answer." I said, "Well, what time's the flight?" He said, six o'clock." So I looked at my. It was about ten past five. So I sort of jumped in my car. Newcastle Airport for me normally takes me about an hour because yeah. it used to be a thirty limit, sort of by the Metro Centre. Yeah. Uh, I did it in twenty nine minutes. I parked. <laughs> 
I parked right outside the airport, ran in with my bags. They were waiting for me at check-in. They let me through. One bag, hand luggage, went on the the, the bit where it zaps through the sort of customs bit. Yeah. My friend was waiting for me on the other side. He grabbed me bag. We run down the, the aisle, get on the plane, and everyone's looking at you because you're the last one on the plane. I was like, oh, head down. Yeah. And then um, the plane goes down the runway, turns around, ready to taxi off, gets up to full speed, just about to take off, and then it sort of slows down. I was like, oh, what's going on here? Turns back around, plane turns back around. We have a security alert, a security alert. Um, uh, someone's picked up the pilot's suitcase by mistake, and I'm thinking, oh, idiot. Mm. Anyway, he gets back. He says, we've got some footage. It's a guy in a black hoodie, and I'm thinking, well, it's not me because I haven't got a black hoodie on. Yeah. And then I, then I glance across to my friend who picked my bag up at the end Jeez. of the – he's got a black hoodie on. So oh. the, the long and short of it was <laughs> my friend had picked up the pilot's suitcase by mistake, <laughs> put it in the hold – so we've taxied back, and then this guy gets on with a high-vis vest, full plane. Uh, Who's is this case? It's mine with a little Green Bay Packers helmet hanging from the Go from the away. handle, and I'm like, yeah, that's mine. And he's oh. like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, now we've missed our slot. Plane's delayed an hour and a half. The, the entire plane starts booing. At this point, I'm sort of sloping down in my chair. And my friends who'd all been on the, on the drink since about half four in the morning, one of them turned around and said to me, I think we should have got there. It would have been funny, as he said, seeing Andy in the pilot's uniform all weekend. <laughs> I tell you, what am I going for you if you were going to Vegas? I don't know about Malaga. But somebody had put it on Facebook, and by the time we got there, the plane turning round turned into the plane had actually turned round in the sky. I was like, no, it just turned oh, round on the runway. Jesus. But because they put it, oh, Andy's made the plane turn round. I'm thinking, no, it didn't even get in the sky. It got to full speed, I'll give you that, but it didn't turn round in the sky. So, uh, yeah, Brilliant. I can remember getting to Malaga and knocking two pints of Amstel into me after about 10 seconds. Was... Well, if anyone needs to a reason to go to this meetup, that story, plus Andy Davies and what your potential is, is one. Uh, the other one is Tom Coles. And look, at it, it's Dublin. So, again, it's one of those things, like, we've put it out ad nauseum on Instagram. We've put it on, we've sent out loads of newsletters about it. Uh, I've emailed all of the Irish members that have signed up to say, here's where it is. So if anybody doesn't know about the Dublin meetup, I, I just because that's what happens, I suppose, just people miss stuff. Like, cause we had one guy actually come back to us and say, hi, lads, he's having a meetup in Ireland anytime soon. We're like, yeah, Sunday. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sunday is when we're having it. It's, it's the same with fantasy. We do fantasy every year. We have 10 leagues and you have to put a team in each league. It's an absolute ball ache. And then we have someone, like I've said this a billion times before, just saying, hey, lads, why don't you do fantasy? How about that for an idea? And we're like, yeah, how about you get into <laughs> League 15 and shut your face? So, I mean, this is what happens. So, meet up, Phoenix Park. You don't have to be Irish. You don't even have to be a Packer fan. Come along and beat us. If you're listening to this and you're not a Packers fan, maybe have a look into your psyche there and see what's happening with you. Um, so, yeah, Phoenix Park, Wellington Monument, half one. Have a bit of flag. Uh, you don't need flag experience. Do you, Andy, I mean, you know, you've been to pretty much all of these now. The best fun is the lad who has never played before, is out on the field, finds himself open, manages to catch the ball, runs around like a blue arse fly, ends up in the end zone. And it's something you remember for forever. Now, I know you play flag with the Newcastle Blackhawks, so you're fairly handy, but you don't need to be experienced for this, do you? No, just just to sort of get out in the fresh air and to throw a ball around and make a few catches and dive around a little bit. It's great fun, isn't it? We had a new guy at um, training on Sunday at Newcastle and he was... He was a rugby guy, so he'd sort of seen the light and came along. And, and somebody threw him the ball, and he dropped a couple in drills. 
but he caught this ball. It was about a 30 yard pass right over the middle. And he was just stood there in stunned, sort of like <laughs> static motion. I was like, say, I've caught it. Now what do I do? <laughs> I was like, run, run. Yeah. You need to run. But it was brilliant. You know, you see the joy on his face that the ball had stuck, you know, and it was a great catch. And, you know, it's, it's great. And it's, that's what it's all about. It's just, you know, it's a bit of fun, isn't it? And anytime you can get out and. It's, it's know, one of the most fun I've ever had, Andy, to be honest. Like, I, I, again, we've covered this, and I would have written for NFL Ireland, a, a so-called Second City Fanatics, and, you know, deep. This this stuff's an everyday thing. It's a, it's a 365, 366 days a year stuff, but you never get the chance to catch a pass to play, to throw on shorts and cleats and get out there with the boys. So, it, you know, like, I play five-a-side, but it doesn't even come close because we've been sort of kicking a ball around since we were... You know, as young as I can remember, I was watching Cantona Kung Fu someone in the face. So, you know, to get out and play flag football for people is completely alien. Certainly in Ireland, I don't I don't even see it. Like, I remember years back going out with a mate and throwing a ball around. But it's one of those things, you need a bunch of lads who are into it. Uh, you know, you try to get your missus out on the road and throw a few footballs around. I mean, there's one pass on one dodgy finger snap back that you'll get off her and she's like that's it i'm going back in so i mean if you want to get out there and you're sick of trying to abuse your your missus with a ball to the face and uh, no pun intended uh you know <laughs> I think, uh, Phoenix Park. Yeah, why not yeah i think the week after as well you know i think me ryan uh phil um i think there's a couple of other guys as well that they were all playing in the same tournament over in manchester mm. there's, a, there's a flag football tournament the turkey bowl apparently so yeah that'll be that'll be good fun yeah and what's the standard like in the leagues then Andy I mean are people fairly handy or is it all just pretty recreational no no pretty handy at the level we play at yeah there's some good guys there's some good athletes some real sort of top players that play for the UK team and yeah some pretty handy guys some pretty decent quarterbacks which makes all the difference you know QBs that understand the game and understand concepts and you know they can sort of throw the ball that's a big difference maker at flag football level really so yeah yeah, but look, there'll be none of that intimidation uh, factor for anybody when they come out in Dublin. You, I mean, you can come out and you can watch. You don't have to stay. You can take a few pictures. On the day, I'll want to play a bit because it's deadly. And then on top of that, then I'll have some camera gear. I'm just trying to record a little piece to put up on YouTube and put up on the website and stuff to get people enjoying themselves. So I'll probably throw on the cleats, do a bit, and then throw back on the series and be going around like David Attenborough. Uh, getting the wild beasts in the wild <laughs> so that's half one phoenix park and if you're not into that and you don't want to be out in the irish cold um you know well then you're not a real man obviously or a woman so you know get yourself together and but if you want to go and meet us because you've got another engagement you're off chopping wood in the forest or whatever manly stuff you're doing with your lumberjacked outfit on meet us out in the woolshed uh bar and grill just off jervis street i think it's parnell street is what they call it just banging into google maps you can find it at this stage so we have a six pound ticket which gets you two points and your finger food and all the rest but you can rock up on the day to the woolshed and come down and meet us. You just won't get your two points. You can buy whatever you want. But it was just to sort of get the numbers so that they could set up seats at the venue. So if you are coming and you know you're coming, defo, uh, just shoot us a message. You don't have to pay us any money. Obviously, you won't get your points. Just so that we know to tell the venue to put out extra seats because they want final numbers or as close to it as we can get. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on again, Andy. I know that... Um, Facebook's going to blow up, Twitter's going to blow up, Instagram's going to blow up. Um, so, uh, you know, try not to let that get to your head too much. And I don't know, we'll see if Ryan Peacock can make his way back onto the roster because you've made a strong show. <laughs> no, the, the rumor is I'm being waived at the end of this week. So um, that's that's cool with me. I'm going <laughs> yeah. go to go to the Patriots. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, the Patriots UK podcast. Nice. <laughs> Fair enough, we know where we stand. Andy, it's a pleasure. Yeah, all good, mate. Yeah, thanks a lot.